You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech fan number 107. What up, everyone? It's TechFan107. I'm Tim Robertson, and uh, David and Cohen and I are not recording a show together this week uh, because, once again, um, illness and snowstorms. That's kind of the uh, story of my life lately. Uh, so let me uh, bring you guys up to date a little bit. Uh, we didn't record a show two weeks ago together because um, there was a snowstorm here in Michigan, and my wife could not take the kids and leave. And if she's here with the kids it's really not a possibility for me to record the show um it just it's not going to happen and uh the snowstorm the bad weather lasted throughout the whole weekend david and i just didn't get a chance to get together uh last week uh at least you know last friday when we should have been recording the show together uh cole was sick my youngest son and my wife really wasn't comfortable of you know bundling him up and once again, we were having really bad snowstorms and stuff. As you guys probably saw, the East Coast kind of got nailed. I wasn't part of that storm, but we did get the snow here and the and the bad weather here that was moving towards the the West Coast, the uh, East Coast. <clears throat> that combined to make you know the forty inches of snow that CNN was having a, a conniption fit on reporting about. Isn't that ridiculous? They just ugh, it's just bad weather. They keep acting like it's the end of the world. And I don't know, 24-hour news cycles is just not a good thing, I don't think. Anyways, uh, that prevented David and I from getting together once again to record the show. And David and I would like to get this show back on track as far as a regular schedule, but it's been uh, a conspiracy, it seems. Something's always in the way, and uh, hopefully we'll get this worked out and we'll get back together again in a week uh, this coming Friday and record episode 108 in the meantime i didn't want to put a little bit here at the beginning before i get to david's segment and like i said i'm kind of rushing because uh my wife is going to be walking in the house any minute with the kids and uh with the food that i'm going to have to cook <clears throat> so the uh Macworld expo happened last week and uh it, you know i didn't go it's the first time i haven't gone to the Macworld expo in a number of years and honestly, I don't really regret it. I, I regret not seeing the people that I enjoy seeing there, but I don't regret not going because it seems to me that nothing has really changed. It's it's still happening on the West Coast, San Francisco, in January, which is terrible travel weather for anybody who lives on the East Coast. Uh, they had an opportunity to really mix things up, move the show to different locations, different times of the year. They're not doing any of that. They're... They're mired in the past, and they have to do it this way, or it's just not going to happen, I guess. And I'm just not going to play the game anymore. If if they're not willing to at least explore the possibility of moving the show to different parts of the country when travel would be a lot easier, let's say the fall or maybe the springtime, then uh, 
yeah, I'm just not going to go to San Francisco uh, over and over and over again for yeah, probably 85% of the same vendors that you see every year and none of the big companies. It's just, it's just not worth it to me. So, and again, you know, I'm going to miss the people, uh, especially the MyMac crew that I see every year, <clears throat> but it's just not, uh, I'm just not doing it. But if you do want to find out what happened at Macworld Expo this year, check out the MyMac.com website. There's a lot of uh, photo galleries. There's a lot of podcasting. Both Three Geeky Ladies and the MyMac crew uh, recorded a bunch of shows. And it's good stuff. And that's probably the only thing that I makes me nostalgic to want to go, if that makes sense. So a lot of uh, stuff going on in the tech world, obviously. BlackBerry came out with their phone and... It kind of looks like an also-ran iPhone. It doesn't look any different significantly than, you know, an Android device. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen with BlackBerry. I'm not at all confident that this is going to be a big success for them. <clears throat> now, obviously, I hope it is because I like, and I've said this before, I like the competition. I like other companies, you know, making it difficult for other companies. I like the competition. It makes the companies on top get better. It makes the companies on the bottom get more innovative to to lure the bigger masses to their products. I'm just not seeing that with BlackBerry. I'm not seeing it with Android. I'm seeing a little bit, but not really with Windows Phone. <sighs> something new, something different. Let's somebody do something. I knew there's. Ubuntu is coming out with a phone, but that's going to be a joke. That's not even going to be part of the conversation. But I just want to see something. And I was kind of hoping that maybe BlackBerry is the company to do it. They were on top for a long time. And uh, it's not. You know, their their products are, at least the ones that they've come out with so far, they're not even as good as what's out there already. And if you're going to try to make a splash... You have to be at least as good as what's out there. At least. that That's where the bar is. So that's a little disappointing. Um, a lot of video game news coming out. Uh, Sony's got a, a big announcement coming up. Who knows what's coming from Xbox. I'm sure there's going to be... Or Microsoft. I'm sure there's going to be a new Xbox. But very exciting time. You know, over the next month and a half, two months, I think we're going to get... A lot of information coming out about the coming season for video games, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, Windows Pro Tablet finally came out, the Surface Pro. And uh, I know they sold out, Microsoft did, of the 128-gigabyte version uh, within the first day. So that's great news for Microsoft. The reviews, however, aren't really all that great. Kind of crappy battery life. Um yeah, it's not looking good as far as reviews go, but let's be honest, reviews don't make or break a product. And if Microsoft sold out, does that does that mean there's good news coming? I mean, is this a, a whole new ball game now? I don't know. And I don't think anybody does yet. But I do think, though, that the success of the, the Surface Pro is vitally important to Microsoft. And so far, so good, at least as far as sales go. 
now that could mean that they only made a hundred thousand of them and they sold out. You know, if they made ten million and they sold out, that's that's significant. If they made a hundred thousand, that's nothing. That's what Apple sold in iPads in the last hour worldwide. I'm not kidding. It really is. So, you know, it's uh it's an interesting time. We're we're kind of at another precipice, if you will, in technology where the tablet era is really just now getting into full swing. I know a lot of people think it's been here for a while. It really hasn't. You know, it it became popular with the very first product of any significance with the iPad in 2010. Well, we just started 2013, which means we're barely into the third year now of the tablet. And I think the next two years is really going to be telling. And I hope that there really is a lot more competition with some really innovative things. Um, whether that's going to be the case or not. I, look, I don't want Apple to be the only dominant player here. Because when you have one dominant player, they tend to rest on their laurels. And I want a better iPod experience. I want a better tablet experience for Microsoft. I wish HP would have stuck with it because I think that the touchpad could have been something. I want BlackBerry to come out with a tablet that's significant. Uh, I'd love to be able to go out and buy a Google tablet that's fantastic. But right now, hmm, it's kind of a, a, a one, one horse race and that's Apple. Now that's good for me because I sell Apple products professionally. But me personally, I, I want choice. I want other things out there because that's going to push Apple even higher. So that's just my thoughts. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what's coming out in the next couple months and throughout the rest of this year. I just did a uh, a podcast with Guy Searle uh, for My Mac Podcast number 444. So if you want to hear that, go check out My Mac Podcast number 444. You can find that at MyMacPodcast.com or MyMac.com. Uh, I spend uh, two segments, the first and the third with Guy. And in the third segment, uh, I did say, I did make a special announcement, and that is um, next year, next January, I'm going to actually uh, take over the MyMac podcast for at least one episode because it will be the beginning of the 10th anniversary of me podcasting and the MyMac podcast in general. And I'm going to get together with uh, all the people who contributed significantly over the my mac podcast history and get them all together to do uh one or two special episodes and that's going to be a lot of fun and uh this is the first that david's going to hear about that (laughs) surprise david um it'd be great if we can get all these people in person together but we'll have to see we're we're a year out so we'll see how it goes in the meantime uh, I'd love to, if you guys sent some feedback in, it is techfanpodcast.com. Actually, I have feedback. Let me uh, turn in my chair here. My iMac is sleeping, so let me wake it up. And my mouse doesn't want to wake up. You know these Bluetooth mice, sometimes it takes them a second to uh, catch up. The computer wakes up and the mouse kind of sits there. you got to click it a few times and it's still not waking up. Come on, wake up. There we go. I'm going to launch my email program, which hopefully won't cause my uh, fans to start kicking on on the um, 
iMac. The reason I don't use iMac for podcasting anymore is because it was just too loud. And uh, here is uh, the feedback. This is from Eric, and the subject is patently trollish. And the message is, uh, my goodness, I almost cried laughing with this last episode. The story about Tim stopping the car with his body and almost getting rung over, and, and the guy who made his mom's car vomit the engine... That mental picture is priceless. I would have loved to be there and watch that engine jump out of the car. That is amazing. Glad to hear that David is doing better. Very entertaining episode. Thanks, Eric. Really appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, it's... I, there's just so many stories that uh, I'm going to get to. What I need to do is start kind of writing some of these down, at least, you know, the bullet points and, and uh, making you guys laugh. I like that. And uh, I've lived kind of an interesting life. I've done a lot of different things. Um, in my 44, wait, 40, what is this, 2013? Is it 2013? Yeah, so I'm 43. See, that's how old I am. I don't even remember how old I am sometimes. You know, I worked for the uh, post office, so I've got, you know, mailman dog stories. I've got a couple of those. Uh, I did repossessions, so I really got some stories there. Um, I worked for the uh, railroad, but I don't have too many stories about that. I didn't do it very long. Uh, I worked at the DOD. Uh, I worked at, for as an IT manager. So I've got a lot of really, I think, funny stories. And eventually, I will, uh, I'll relay them here because uh, I enjoy telling stories. Well, if they're true, I don't, I don't care much to make up stories. Well, that's not true either. I would love to be able to sit down and pen some really good stories and sell books on Amazon or something. But I don't have time, and I probably don't have the good talent enough to do that either so anyways i'm rambling because uh i keep staring at the door waiting for it to crack open and my wife and the kids to walk in so instead of trying to rush through this i'm going to wrap this up and uh drop david's segment into the podcast i'm looking forward to listen to that myself on my drive tomorrow to max specialist in oak park illinois if uh, anybody listening to this ever wants to uh, uh get together and uh, say hi, have a lunch or something. I am in Oak Park, Illinois, um, quite often, usually on a weekly basis. Send me an email, tim at mymac.com, and let me know when you'll be in that area, and I'd be happy to grab a lunch with you and uh, relay some of these fun stories directly to you. Maybe even get you on the podcast, because I can record remotely. That'd be fun. So with that, I'm going to let you guys go. Uh, enjoy David's segment, and uh, I'll see you guys in a week. Soft kitty, warm kitty, little ball of fur. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up what, here, Mark. What, what's going on, Kevin? You're singing the song Soft Kitty. That That's only for when somebody's sick and not feeling well. Oh, but I thought it'd be a great intro into the show. I mean, after all, people listening to us, they've got to be a little bit sick, don't they? That's true. We can't deny that. Especially if they want to hug a geek every week. I know. A little bit confusing. A little bit painful. I feel sorry for them. <laughs> but you know what? If you haven't listened to Geekiest Show Ever, simply go across to iTunes and type in Geekiest Show Ever, and you can listen to Kevin and me every single week. We're sick, we're twisted, but we have fun doing it. Hey there, tech fan listeners. This is David Cohen, one of your co-hosts, talking to you on what I think will ultimately become tech fan number 107. 
Uh, we've been a bit patchy last couple of weeks. Um, there's been issues with Tim and weather and being able to record. Um, that came up again this week. Um, I'm also having trouble. I'm currently laid up in bed. I've been overdoing it with the back the last couple of days. So um, I'm kind of suffering some roaring back pain today. So I decided to stay in bed. However, um, I wanted to try and honour my pre-Christmas commitments, try and get more tech fan to you. So I thought I would stick the microphone into the PC and try and record a show, um, a solo segment that uh, Tim can either put out on his own or he can put together something else. I don't know exactly what he's going to do. I guess that depends on what, what he's got going on. But there are a couple of things that I had on my mind that I want to share with you guys. And... Um, one of the few advantages of my current broken back predicament is I have a lot more time on my hands because I can't work, which means I've been able to do some things that I enjoy doing a little bit more. And one of those things is writing for the MyMac website. Um, I've been able to start doing some review stuff again, which is something I've not been able to do for a few years now. So um, I've had a few bits and pieces coming into the house to look at. Um, I'll be reviewing those over the next few weeks. There's uh, a very nice pair of uh, in-ear head headphones, cheap earphones that I'm looking at at the moment that I'm looking forward to telling you guys about. Um, a Thunderbolt dock for the MacBook Air, which I've not had time to set up yet because that needs I'm going to need some logistical help in getting monitors moved and things like that. Um, but I did want to talk briefly about um, something from 12 South called the Plug Bug, Plug Bug World. So uh, 12 South are a... Um, a company that specializes in doing apple only products um that's really what they're all about and they try and do things with the same kind of apple design sensibility which is kind of a left turn thinking to solving problems and the plug bug's a pretty good example of that it's a usb charger for the uh, iphone ipad high power charger so it gives out plenty of juice for the ipad um but the kind of neat thing about it is that um you can slide the bottom of it off and then dock it to a MacBook um, power charger. So effectively you get a USB um, charging capability built into your uh, MacBook Air or your MacBook Pro charging dock. Which is pretty cool because um, if you travel a lot um, you'll find that um, very often the sockets in hotel rooms, particularly overseas, not so bad in the US, but particularly overseas, um, are kind of in funny places and there's not very many of them. Um, so being able to uh, effectively duplicate the functionality of USB charging and uh, powering your laptop on the same uh, charger is pretty cool. Uh, the other thing as well, of course, is that um, it's a high-powered USB um, port. So as I say, you'll get much quicker charging your devices than you will if you plug it to the USB port of your computer. Um, it's very neat because it, it goes on pretty much everything. It replicates that um, kind of U-port functionality that's on top of all the um, Apple USB um, mains chargers. So the computers, the charger for the iPad, um, the even the old Airport Expresses, uh, or even older chargers, say for a, a PowerBook or something like that, the, this thing will slip on the top. Um, and because it's PlugBug World, it comes with all the adapters for um, pretty much every mains socket available in the in the planet so that's pretty good um i'm really impressed with it and um what makes it even better is only five dollars more than the uh, apple world travel solution 
So um, I think that's a pretty good product. I'll be putting a review up on the MyMac website this weekend if you want to have a look at it and perhaps get a bit more detail about what I think of it. But certainly, uh, if you're in the market for a, a travel charger for your uh, iOS devices, I'd definitely recommend taking a look at the uh, 12 South. 12 South Plug Bug World. Um, they do do a US only version if you're not interested in traveling overseas, which is $10 cheaper and $35. So um, still would recommend that as well. Um, it's probably worth spending the extra over an Apple charger, in my opinion. It's bright red too, so it's easy to find your bag, which is kind of cool. So uh, that's one thing I've been looking at. Something else, though, that isn't this, I'm not going to review this for the MyMac website because it's not relevant, but it's uh, pretty much the sweet spot for this show. Um, I bought myself a BlackBerry Playbook, and um, regular listeners show me I think that's kind of weird, because it's not something that we've uh, talked about at length on the show before, it's something we think is a good product, um, and uh, it's been out for about 18 months now, pretty much pretty much got panned when it first came out, it was priced the same price as the iPad, um, was at launch it wasn't really ready the software wasn't up to scratch you couldn't even do email on it you had to have a blackberry um phone to be able to get email on the thing um and it was pretty much derided as a uh, pretty weak attempt at a tablet now since then um all credit to blackberry and um, blackberry as they're now known rather than research in motion they've changed their name recently um rather than do what hp did which is to unceremoniously dump the product They've actually kept with it. They dropped the price right down, um, but it's still for sale. Uh, you can get an LTE version now as well if you want, rather than a, just a, a, a Wi-Fi version, um, and it's still available. And really what pushed me over the edge to get one um, was the fact that when BlackBerry announced their new operating system for these new phones, they've just launched BlackBerry 10, um, they said, that, well, let's come into the playbook as well. And I kind of like that. I like the fact that they have not thrown those users of a product that's you know, sold in very modest numbers. Um, you know, a couple of million, I think, now are on the market. Um, rather than throw those people under the bus, which many companies would have done, um, they're actually sticking with it and continuing to support it and bringing the latest operating system to it. So when I heard that, I thought, you know what? I was kind of bummed that I never got the HP touchpad when it was discontinued at a hefty discount. Um, I thought I'd take a look at the BlackBerry Playbook, and uh, then when BlackBerry 10 comes out, I'll stick with it and see how it goes. So, um, yeah, I've been playing with it for the last few days. Um, Okay, let's get uh, a couple of things straight out there. I'm not going to dump my uh, iPad Mini, much beloved, for the BlackBerry Playbook. Um, The Playbook's a very nice device... Um, in isolation uh, and if it had come out onto the market just as it is now um, without the iPad existing I think people would have been completely blown away by it but put the two of them side by side and I'm afraid the uh, the playbook you know, kind of looks pretty poor it's very thick it's actually the same hardware design as the first Kindle Fire so um, yeah, it's about it's about three quarters of an inch thick. It's lighter than the original iPad, but obviously much heavier than the current iPads, uh, and even the uh, certainly the iPad Mini is much much lighter. Um, seven inch screen, uh, ten twenty four by six hundred. Um, it's pretty sharp, pretty clear actually. Um, it's, it's, it's not a bad screen by any stretch of the imagination. And I have to say that the current BlackBerry operating system on there, um, um, Playbook Two is pretty good. You know what? It does some kind of funky things. Um, The Playbook doesn't have a home button. So to move between applications and to move 
that to the home screen effectively um, you just use gestures by by kind of swiping in right from the edge of the bezel um, onto the screen and once you kind of get used to it I mean it it is it does suffer from that Windows 8 effect that um, there are no visual cues how to do this so you you literally have to train yourself to do how to do them the help on the thing is actually pretty good they've built a lot of help into it hey you listen to that microsoft maybe you want to do that with surface um but yeah the, there's there's quite there's some quite good help on there and some good videos that show how to, to do things and when you first set the thing up uh, the first thing it does is bombard you with uh, tutorials on how to use the gestures properly so you kind of pick them up pretty quickly um and i have to say they they do work very well. If you want to move between applications, you just swipe to the left or the right, and um, it supports full multitasking, um, not the kind of faux freeze-it-in-the-background multitasking that iOS does, but uh, full multitasking. So it will keep applications running in the background if you want it to, and as you swipe between them, you effectively get a slightly larger than full-size, full-screen thumbnail of the applications, and you can see stuff going on live in the background as you move between them, kind of like the way Exposé works on the Mac. Um, So that's pretty cool. Uh, You then swipe down from the top to get into kind of settings for any application you that's front screen, Um, and then you swipe up from the bottom to actually get back to the home screen. Uh, and that brings up first of all it brings you the core apps which is kind of mail and uh, the uh, browser and that sort of thing and then you swipe up again uh, or or touch up again and then you can get uh, you can get the kind of the home screen uh, with all the icons for all your applications Um, in terms of the applications available yeah you know I mean this is this is always going to suffer against uh, iOS there's not a lot um, there's more than you might think, certainly not as much as Google maybe, but uh, quite a lot of them are there. Um, some of them are Android ports, uh, some of them are kind of Android running in emulation, which is something that BlackBerry 2 does. Um, and, the, you know, they're, they're functional, they work. I've not found too many things I'm really missing. It has a pretty good uh, office suite type thing, documents to go built in. Um, it's got uh, Adobe Reader built in. Uh, it has a book reader, Kobo, uh, built in. doesn't have Kindle. Um, so that, that that is one omission um, but pretty much everything else I want to do, I wanted Dropbox on there I wanted a, a LastPass which I used all my passwords, I was able to get that on pretty quickly um, a few of the bigger games, you know, Angry Birds Jetpack, Jorad, that sort of thing, are all available for it, so you know, you can load it up with stuff, and some of the things it does it, it does better than iOS I'd say, um, for instance you can um, access it as a USB drive over Wi-Fi if you want to. So you can access the file system and just drop videos to it over Wi-Fi, which is kind of nice. Um, basically, it just appears on the on the network as a as a Windows computer, so you can just drop stuff into it. Um, the video application itself is pretty good. Um, not quite as polished as the one on Apple. It doesn't support meta tagging properly, so you can't um, organize your uh, video by kind of title or TV show or that sort of thing it basically just gives you a list of files uh, or a list of thumbnails to click on um, and you know um, fit and finish stuff again if you if you come out of the video application completely having stopped a video and then go back to it it won't resume where it was it will start from the beginning again so uh, so that's kind of kind of bad um, but you know I, I've it's got pretty good battery life and the videos look great on the screen um, and because the device is a little bit 
thicker and heavier it's actually a little bit easier to stand up than an iPad mini which is kind of good for watching video but kind of the big thing for me uh, for it is that um, I paid well, I paid £100 for it so it's about $130 um, and that was for a 64 gig Wi-Fi playbook now you can get a Kindle Fire for the same amount but it will be the old model that uh, only has an 8 gig internal storage about 6 gig available, six gig available. Um, and you'll spend a fair bit more if you want to get a Google Nexus 7 with uh, that sort of memory on it so um, you know I, I, I would say uh, having had a good play around with it you know um, it does pretty much everything you want to do in terms of mail uh, the browser's pretty good the browser's actually fairly fast um, you know it, it, it has that kind of jerky look about it that you sometimes see on older tablets compared to iOS you know so sometimes you're um, you know you're scrolling around the screen and it and it, it very very slightly behind your finger or will not move as smoothly as something on iOS iOS will do um, but it's not bad by any stretch of imagination it's certainly a lot better than the very cheap Android tablets you see in the market so I would say for anybody who wants a tablet for um, replacing a netbook there's a lot of people who nowadays want tablets just to do that they don't really want to do the whole ios apps type thing they just want a tablet they can have around the the living room that can browse the web do their email um watch a little bit of video that sort of thing um i would say the playbook's probably the best thing you can buy on the market at the moment for the money um it's certainly you know as i say not the spots off the um the cheaper android tablets you know these kind of cheap uh, Chinese uh, bargain basement Android tablets you see um, knocking around on eBay and that sort of thing they're the only things that are cheaper than it available um, and I think it beats the Kindle Fire because it has much more storage um, more importantly actually on, on terms of video if you want to use it as a video tablet um, it has a micro HDMI port so you can plug it straight into a TV and watch the videos on, on a, on a um, high def TV straight away which is also kind of cool um, so uh, the fact that the, the BlackBerry's continue to update it and it's going to have the latest operating system, I think, you know, makes it a fairly strong, cheap tablet proposition. And certainly, if I was asked, as I get, re- I do ask regularly, oh, I want to buy a tablet. What should I buy? Um, if I did find somebody who was looking for um, something cheap so they could just do email and the web and a little bit of video, uh, music, that sort of thing, I would say the BlackBerry Playbook should be the one. Uh, to, to buy I'm going to hold on to this one I'm not going to be selling it because um, hey I've got a 64 gig uh, video player so what I can do if I'm travelling now is stick a whole load of video on the playbook uh, and then that leaves a bit more space up on my uh, on my iPad for uh, for other things like photos and that sort of stuff so um, yeah I mean, I mean it might be worth checking it out if you're interested into uh, into into that sort of thing if you want interested in cheap tablets then um I'd recommend having a look at the playbook. And I've got to admit, before I thought about buying one, um, that was not a sentence I thought was in my future. So, hey, what are you going to do? Well, that took quicker than I thought it would. I thought I'd be able to get half an hour out talking about the playbook. But uh, we're only 15 minutes in, and that's not a show. So let's talk about something else. Um, One of the things I'm faced with at the moment is, obviously, uh, I just wrecked my car. So I need to buy a new car. And, um, you know, when you go through a car wreck, you find yourself thinking, uh, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> yeah, funny that, eh? Um, and you also find yourself thinking, maybe if I'd had a safer car, I wouldn't be sat here now with a broken back. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to criticise the car we had the accident in. It was a fairly new car. Um, and um, we all walked away from the accident of a fashion, which, considering we, we hit a, a motorway bank at 60 miles an hour, is not to be sneezed at at all, because we all could have been killed, let's, let's be honest. Um, but nevertheless, you do find yourself thinking, well, maybe if I'd had a car that was a bit more tricked out, maybe the accident wouldn't have happened in the first place. So we have been looking at cars with a view to making... Um, the safety features are number one purchasing consideration guess it's only a natural after what we've been through um and it's interesting to see what's out there now now obviously i'm much more familiar with the uk car market than the the us but um you know manufacture and, and supply of cars is pretty much a global business nowadays uh you know the cars that i can buy here from ford for instance are very much the same as the cars you guys get in the u.s for ford um you know different models yes uh, different features certainly um to reflect different markets but you know they're made by the same company and they have the same kind of design principles in them uh, and many of the unlike you know when i was growing up where no american car was ever the same as the car from the same manufacturer in Europe and uh, now many of the cars that we buy here like the Fiesta, the Focus, that sort of thing are available on the US market as well as other models that we don't get here um, but in terms of these core functions that, that these technology functions and now built these cars I think uh, there is there's a fair amount of commonality so I thought it would be worth just going through uh, you know the things that we're really thinking about um, I think the primary thing and the th- the thing that maybe could have avoided the accident for us if we'd had it fitted to our vehicle was something called um well it's it goes by a variety of different names uh, electronic stability program or um dynamic stability control and that sort of thing but basically it's a system that kind of builds on anti-lock brakes in in a car so um you have motion sensors and your sensors and gyroscopes built to the car and if the car detects that the vehicle is becoming unstable such as about to enter a skid um it's able to adjust the engine the uh yeah the throttle response is able to individually brake wheels um and even tweak the steering in some cases to kind of bring the car back to stability before it goes out of control um and i'm certainly of the opinion bearing in mind the accident we had where we you know we hit ice uh, hail that was laying on the roadway and immediately the car skidded um that if we'd have had a system like that on the car there's a chance not perfect but a chance that we wouldn't have had the crash because the car may have corrected itself before the skid started um once we got into the skid on the ice there was nothing more i could do certainly so um that's definitely something that that we want on our next vehicle and it's interesting here in the uk um you have to kind of go to the mid models and up before you get that fitted to the cars as standard um and doing a bit of research on it i hear from the, um, the European Union that they are apparently in the next couple of years going to mandate that as a feature that all cars sold in Europe must have a standard whether they be the very cheapest city cars or all the way up to uh, to big cars um, purely because they believe that it's um, such a life-saving accident saving feature so uh, you know being on the market for a car now definitely want to make sure I get our car with that on um, so uh, you know we've kind of been looking around and looking at what there is and it's amazing actually some of the technology that's really kind of filtered down to cars that are fairly affordable now um one vehicle we're looking at has um 
not not just a, a radar cruise control system, which is you know mid 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 to high level cars now has that, um, which is a system so that you engage the cruise control, set the speed you want, and then um, it has a radar in the front and rear of the car, so it actually knows how far it is from the vehicle in front of you, so um, it adjusts the speed to match that. Um, within the limits of the speed you set desired by the cruise control. So um, that was something that, you know, I remember five years ago or so, only the very top-end Mercedes and BMW limousines would, would have, on it, even as an option, uh, and that was becoming standard on many cars. Um, but that's now been developed um, further. Some of the vehicles we're looking at will do uh, accident avoidance at low speeds automatically all the time. So effectively... Uh, in the city setting, you know, speeds below, say, 30 miles an hour, the radar is active all the time, and if it sees that the vehicle in front of you has stopped suddenly, it automatically hard brakes the car to stop as well. Um, which, again, you know, those speed shunts in, in the city are probably not something that's going to, um, you know, cause major injuries, though I, I guess you can you can have whiplash and that sort of thing, but nevertheless, you'd rather not have the accident in the first place, and to me, that seems a pretty sensible system. Now, you know, kind of push, pushing beyond that into some of the more, uh, you know, high-end stuff, there is there is some very cool stuff going on. Um, the particular model we're looking at that has that, um, that crash avoidance system, you can pay to have that extended so that it will read road signs so it knows what the speed limit is and will warn you if you exceed the speed limit. Um, and it can also um, see pedestrians stepping out in front of the car. Uh, and not only warn you that, that they're about to step out in front of the car, but again, brake to avoid if um, if that's something that if that's something that the car is is aware of. Um, and uh, then we've even seen one that actually has a passenger airbag. Uh, sorry, a pedestrian airbag, not a passenger airbag. So um, should you actually ignore the warnings and hit a pedestrian? Um, an airbag inflates outside the vehicle on the bonnet to kind of lift the bonnet up to ensure that it don't smack the windscreen and uh, also uh, the airbag inflates to protect them from some of the sharper bits like the wipers and the edge of the edge of the, the screen um, to try and minimise the injuries to the pedestrian. Um, pretty cool, I've got to say. I mean, you know, I was out at um, I was out at VMworld in San Francisco last year. And I saw that self-driving Google car system they have, which is um, extremely impressive. And um, you know, I can see a time when, probably in the next ten years, we'll we'll have a point where you can have that fitted to a standard car for not very much money, uh, and that, but effectively have the car drive you around. Um, I don't ever see a situation where you won't actually be sat in front of the controls. I think that would probably be a step too far for lawmakers to just hand over the keys to the robot. I think you'll always have to be sat behind manual controls to be able to take over if something goes wrong. But, um, yeah, I can imagine that maybe in the car after this one I buy, I'll be able to specify self-driving. And, again, it'd be interesting then to, you know, solving the, the problems of... Uh, navigation and uh, traffic management and uh, you know interacting with those vehicles and on a regular setting is is one thing for a system like that but again trying to avoid the kind of accident that we just had uh, would be another for a system like that too and um, I guess that'll be a challenge that the car manufacturers will have to uh, will have to uh, to solve but uh, I will keep you informed uh, as time goes on as what we end up um, what vehicle we end up buying and um, 
you know it being being a car for me uh, i certainly am while safety is our primary concern i will be looking to get a few toys on it if i possibly can um and uh i'll let you guys know what i end up with and what toys i have and kind of what the thing can do because we're all interested in that sort of thing aren't we so one final conversation to have before i uh shut the laptop down and uh let my back have a bit more of a rest um one of the things that's been interesting again from this predicament is um, how much you can do without going in the house nowadays um obviously i'm not particularly mobile i have the brace and i can get up and about but you know, as as I've said at the, at the start of this segment, the more I do, um, the more I pay with pain later on. So I try and do as little as possible at the moment. Um, so I don't really want to be getting up and going out if I can avoid it. Um, and, uh, you know, I have been surprised by how much you can get by just by relying on, uh, you know, online systems and online services. Um, as uh, let's see what are the few examples that, that I kind of had in mind well shopping for instance um, obviously you can do online grocery shopping now and we've done that a couple of times uh, and that's been very good you know you sit down with your iPad and most of the uh, most of the UK supermarkets have an iPad app so you can just sit down with the iPad um, and check off what you want and uh, place an order and give it delivery time and then it comes normally normally within the next 24 hours or so so you have to plan a little bit ahead um but the couple of times we've done it the guys brought the stuff to the door and then you know brought it right into the house put it in the kitchen so we can put it away at our leisure uh it gives you a, a the one we use gives you a, a a check sheet of all the stuff you've bought so um you can actually uh in fact they give you two so they give you the original one which allows you to check off to make sure everything you think you've got is actually there and then they give you another one that actually has everything listed by the use by dates on the uh, groceries so you actually know um, not only what you've bought but when it's going to go off so you can actually make sure you eat it before it does because that's a big problem in modern society is that people buy stuff and they stick it in a cupboard and then throw it away because they never get around to eating it so that's pretty good uh, and obviously we have more time at the moment to plan our meals so uh, we've been able to make very good use of that um, obviously Amazon is another big thing for online shopping and um, we have an Amazon Prime account so we don't pay for shipping um, and that's been very useful because a lot of household sundries that uh, we want to buy on a one-off basis the sort of thing that you know ordinarily you would have to make a trip to the store to sort out um, most of that stuff you buy on Amazon uh, and get it shipped next day uh, and we've been doing that a fair bit to save us having to go out to the store so you know even crazy things like um, you know toilet rolls uh, straws I need some drinking straws the other day for the children um, don't ask me why my children can't drink from a normal cup without a straw uh, well they can but they just won't so we ran out of straws and so I was able to order straws the following day and uh, they came in a great big Amazon box straight to the door that's pretty good too but also um, online services um, are much more prevalent than they used to be and that's also a good thing I, obviously I'm taking quite a lot of medication at the moment and uh, I can go online to my doctor's uh, surgery and refill all my prescriptions online um, just type out what I need and uh, provided I've had it before uh, so the doctor's aware of it that will then go 
to a sheet in front of the doctor to sign it off. It's then emailed to the local pharmacy. Uh, they So they normally have that within 24 hours of me filling the prescription in online. Um, and then they'll drop it into me. So uh, that means I don't need to go out to see the pharmacy to pick up all the drugs, which is great. Um, you know, uh, obviously when you have roaring back pain, the last thing you want to be doing is trying to walk out to the pharmacy to pick up the drugs to get rid of the roaring back pain. So that's been pretty handy. Um, and also a lot of the stuff I've been doing for, obviously I have a lot of insurance things to do at the moment with a car uh, and uh, health insurance and that sort of thing. Um, and I've been able to do most of that online too. So um, we have a, a multifunction printer scanner here. So any documents I need, kind of sick notes from the doctor or anything like that, I need to get to the, uh, to the insurance company. Uh, I can just scan in an email to them and they acknowledge those straight away. Um, they do tend to communicate back to me by letter which is slightly disturbing but nevertheless um they can do that and uh that means we can we can keep things moving forward without me having to make loads of trips to the post office to send letters uh which is something i really appreciate because as, as i say i'm not terribly mobile um and not really keen to to move around any more than i have to so um you know in in, in those respects i'm kind of thankful really that that the world we have is as modern as it is and uh you know, we have all these uh, features around us from the services that we need that are as convenient as they can be um, because it really kind of helps you out and, uh, you know, helps you to get better quicker, which is what I'm pretty much concentrating on at the moment. And just, you know, kind of final update on my health situation. I'm going to see the doctor again at the end of February and I'm hoping that I will not need to wear the brace after that. Um, and then it's going to be a case of, some, I think, some physical rehabilitation. Obviously, most muscles in my lower back haven't really done very much work for the last six weeks. Uh, and maybe some, you know, something about pain management as well, because the, uh, the, the bone in my back must be mostly healed now, and yet the level of pain I'm getting is, uh, is, still, is still quite high. You know, not cripplingly high, but it's just kind of annoyingly high. It's uh, it's definitely there and definitely noticeable. The more I do, the worse it is. And, um, you know, obviously I don't want to end up spending a lot of time with low back pain because uh, that would be kind of a bummer. So um, so that'll be the next focus after I uh, after I get the brace off. And then we'll see where we are. But I'm, I'm hoping to be back at work sometime in March. And... Um, you know, very much more back to normal by then. But in the meantime, you know, I'm enjoying the fact that at least I have some time at home with my family and, um, you know, get some time to do some of the things that I want to do um, to take my mind off what's been going on. And uh, as always, I appreciate the chance to talk to you guys. Um, please get in touch with me if there's anything you want to share with me or uh, talk to me about um, David B. Cohen on Twitter or uh, you can email me at the show um, or at the MyMac website um, you know David Cohen at MyMac.com and uh, always happy to, to talk to you guys and uh, hopefully next week um, there will be no blizzards hurricanes power outages car crashes whatever that will prevent Tim and I from talking to each other directly on the show and uh, delivering a normal show so I'll speak to you soon